Today on Daily Hope with Pastor Rick Warren, we continue in our riveting journey through the series, The Invisible War. In it, we'll explore the unseen world of good and evil and see how it impacts our day-to-day existence. Join us for eye-opening biblical insights into the spiritual dimensions that influence our lives in ways we never imagined. Right now, here's Pastor Rick Warren with the final part of a message called, Why is life in this world so hard? Number four, the fourth damage is in relationships. And sin results in relational distance and discord. Relational distance and discord. In other words, you have conflict with people. In a perfect environment where there is no sin, you're not going to have any conflict. But in a marriage where you take one person who's imperfect and another person who's imperfect, two imperfect people cannot make a perfect relationship. It is impossible. One sinner marrying another sinner cannot create a perfect relationship. Guys, you married a sinner and she married a bigger one. (laughs) And and, and so you're not going to have a perfect relationship. You're going to have problems in any relationship. Now Solomon mentions this too. He says, you know what? In Ecclesiastes, he said, I've looked out and I've been watching people in the world. You know what I've discovered? They're not nice to each other. People don't treat each other kindly. People misuse each other. People abuse each other. People lie to each other. People fake each other out. People are phony in their relationships. People wear masks. They cover up. They abuse. They take advantage of each other. And and all of these things, and they hurt each other, sometimes intentionally, unintentionally. Why? Because nothing works on this planet because sin broke it all. When we don't follow God's will, it causes damage. And he says, we have all these messed up relationships. Why Why is it so easy to mess up a relationship? Causes pain. Because we don't follow what God says to do. Look at this verse, Ecclesiastes 4.1. I saw all the people who were mistreated here on earth. And I saw their tears, and I saw that they had no one to comfort them. Now, how did it get so messed up? Well, again, you go back to the first couple, to Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve rebelled, and when they said, we're going to do the one thing that God said not to do, it not only disconnected them from God, it disconnected them from each other. Now, listen, you cannot have intimacy, the kind of intimacy God wants you to have with your spouse without intimacy with God first. When you're disconnected from God, there's no way you're gonna be fully connected the way God meant for you to be as a husband and wife. It is interesting to me that when Adam and Eve got disconnected from God by blowing it and sinning, what's the first thing they did? They made clothes, they sewed fig leaves together. Now how does that happen? How is it that being disconnected from God disconnects me from you and causes me to wanna cover up? How is it that when I'm out of whack with God, all of a sudden I'm out of whack with you and I want to pretend and cover up my faults? How is it that when I'm out of whack with God, I am ashamed of my sexuality? How is it when I'm out of whack with God, I don't really want you to see the real me? I don't want to be exposed and I don't want to be vulnerable because if I'm not right with God, then I cannot be right with you. And so we cover up. And we sow fig leaves. What's your fig leaf? You got one. And it's the, it's the, the way you act 
and the attitudes that you have, it's emotions that cover up the things that you're most embarrassed about, are most afraid of in your own life. Notice this verse. It says in Genesis 3, they suddenly felt ashamed of their nakedness, so they strung fig leaves together to cover themselves up. Out of whack with God, out of whack with other people. Genesis 3.10, later God says, what are you guys doing? You're wearing clothes. Genesis, God, Adam says, I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. Sin always makes you defensive. Sin always makes you distant. And sin always makes you demanding in a relationship. You know, I remember a guy who was preaching on this passage one time, Genesis 3, about Adam and Eve covering up because they were embarrassed. And he had one of these loose-leaf Bibles. I don't know if you've ever seen these, but pastors have loose-leaf Bibles sometimes so they can put their sermon notes in there so that when they walk around with their Bible, they can see their notes that they're trying to teach too. And uh, this guy had a loose-leaf Bible, and as he got up to speak from his chair, he walks over to the podium, the page he's going to teach on falls out on the floor. He doesn't know it. He doesn't know it. So he gets up, and he starts to read the text, and he says, and Adam said to Eve, and he flips the page, and obviously it's gone. It's out of order. And so he says, uh, because it's laying there on the floor, and Adam said to Eve, And Adam said to Eve, very interesting. It looks like a leaf is missing. <laughs> now, that's the kind of result when you have, you, you know, so I use the real thing. I don't have one of these phony baloney loose leaf Bibles, okay? There it is. Okay, number five, financial and vocational difficulties. Sin has damaged this area too. He's damaged the area of your finances and the area of your career. Sin has done that. How, how do economies get broken? Oh, it's real simple. By ignoring the biblical principles of finance that God has said in his word. God has given us the principles for money management in the Bible. They're very clear. We've covered them many, many, many times. The principle of, accounts, of accounting keep good records, the, the principle of spending, budget your spending, the principle of saving, the principle of giving and tithing, the principle of investing, the principle of being satisfied with what you have. I could go on and on. There are many, many principles of finance in the scripture. When you and I ignore them and we do not delay gratification and we think I gotta have it now even though I can't afford it and you spend what you cannot afford, you're gonna get in debt. And all of the economic problems we have that the government can't seem to put together or agree on is because of irresponsible living. Spending money we didn't have and, and, and not obeying God's financial principles. Now here's what he says in Ecclesiastes. Here's a terrible thing I've seen in the world. People save up their money for a time when they may need it. And then they lose it all some bad deal or bad economy or bad market. They lose it all in some bad deal and end up with nothing left to pass on to their children. That's because the world is broken financially too. And then in life, work is not meaningful, it's not purposeful, it's not satisfying because it's broken. Look at the next verse, I hated life because the work I did under the sun was meaningless to me. Because I just felt like I'm getting up, putting in, punching my time card. It was meaningless to me. So I turned in despair from hard work. It was not the answer to my search 
for satisfaction in this life. He said, you know, I thought if I just make a really good career and I succeed in my career, then I'm really gonna be satisfied. He goes, that didn't satisfy me. It's broken too. Guy told me one time, he said, you know, Rick, I climbed the ladder of success and I got to the top. But when I got to the top, I realized the ladder was leaning against the wrong wall. And I had wasted all that effort on something that didn't matter. Number six, the sixth area is spiritual discontent and darkness. Spiritual discontent and darkness. There are not only emotional, relational, financial, vocational, physical consequences to ignoring what God says, but there are spiritual consequences. There's discontent and darkness. Have you ever felt like, you know, I feel like God's a million miles away. I feel like I'm praying and he's, he's not listening. My prayers are bouncing off the ceiling. I'm not, I don't feel close to God. Well, you, of course you don't. Here's why. Isaiah 59, up here on the screen. Your iniquities have separated you from your God because God's holy. And your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear. If you feel far from God, guess who moved? God didn't move, but you moved away by saying, I'm gonna do my thing, be my own God, call my own shots. I'm not gonna obey what the Bible says. I know what the Bible says, but I'm gonna do what I wanna do. And you move away from God, and then you wonder why God feels distant. And then you start searching, and you start looking for God in all the wrong places. And a lot of people don't even know they're looking for God. They call it happiness. I'm looking for happiness. I'm looking for peace. I'm looking for security. I'm looking for fulfillment. I'm looking for meaning and purpose. What they're looking for is God, and they don't know it. And they still haven't found what they're looking for. Job says it like this in Job 6, here on the screen. I'm like a caravan, lost in the desert, searching for water. Because I haven't the slightest idea where I'm headed, where I'm going. I'm in the middle of a dry desert. I don't know which way I'm going, and I'm thirsty. And you start looking for all kinds of things to quench that thirst, looking for God in all the wrong places. And what does it do? It leads to more darkness and more discontent and more discouragement. The next verse says this. They have refused for so long to deal with God. And they just keep putting it off. I'm not going to deal with God. They've refused for so long to deal with God that they have lost touch, not only with God, but with reality itself. And friends, if you don't believe that, turn on the television. A lot of television has lost total touch with reality. They're not only out of touch with God, they don't even know what life's all about. They haven't the foggiest idea what life's all about. They're spinning around in circles, making little tiny things, enormous issues. They're majoring on the minors. They don't know what life is all about. And they are out of touch and they're in the dark. Now friends, that is not a pretty picture, what I just shared with you. And when I see that picture of what sin does to the world, do you know what it makes me want to do? Hate sin. You know the problem today? We don't hate sin. We laugh at it. We think it's a joke. We think it's a comedy line. If you don't believe me, go home and turn on HBO and any comedy show, and half the comedy is going to be making fun of things that are wrong. 
and laughing about drug use, sexual promiscuity, all kinds of sexual innuendos, immaturity, immorality, making fun of people who are trying to do the right thing and celebrating the wrong. And we laugh at it like that's funny. Friend, when I hear about something that causes disasters and deformity, death and decay, distress and disappointment, relational distance and discord, financial and vocational difficulties, and spiritual discontent and darkness, that's not a laughing matter. If you want to know how bad sin is, you look at the cross. Jesus, with his arms outstretched, says, this is how bad the, the sin is. I had to die for it. Now, that's not a pretty picture. That's why you need a savior, because there's no way you can undo all this damage in the world, in your family, or in your own personal life by yourself. You need a savior. If you didn't need a savior for all of these things, Believe me, God wouldn't have wasted the time sending Jesus as your savior. He sent you to save you and to begin the restoration process in these six areas. Now, we're in the dark, he says. We're, we're just totally in the dark. So what do I do? Well, there are two things you need to do. Number one, you need to accept. I need to accept Jesus as my savior. That's the starting point. Now in the weeks ahead, we're gonna talk in detail about the answers to how to get along in a broken world. But the first thing I've gotta do is I've gotta accept Jesus as my savior because he's the only one who can help me undo some of the damage on this side of heaven. John 16, verse 33, Jesus says this. In this world, in this world, you will, circle will, not might, not, could happen, you will, you can count on it, you will have trouble. But, he says, take heart, I have overcome the world. And in the next few weeks, I'm gonna teach you how Jesus helps you overcome the world in all of these areas that have done damage in your life. You gotta accept Jesus as your savior. The second thing I have to do is this, I must follow his light. I must follow his, his light. Because a lot of times I'm in the total dark about what I should do with the damage that's been done in my life. You know, one of my favorite vacations, a number of years ago, we did a family vacation. We went up to Montana and, and Kay and I, and we were, then we went down to Yosemite, uh, or Yellowstone, and uh, had a fun. But right there in the corner of uh, Montana is a little known national park called Lewis and Clark Caverns. It's underground caverns. I, I love this place. I, I think it's better than Carlsbad Caverns. Carlsbad's a little too commercial for me. Uh, uh, Lewis and Clark Caverns is still very rustic. You climb up this mountain, and then you go down this little shaft on hundreds of rickety stairs. And you're just walking down, down, deeper, deeper, hundreds of feet underground into the earth. And we got down in the middle of this one of the big caverns, hundreds of feet below, and they said, we're going to show you what total darkness really looks like. Because most people have never seen total darkness. And so they turn out a couple of the lamps, the lamps that are there, and it's flat out, pitch black. I can hold my finger like this and I can't see it. Kind of spooky. Total darkness. And then 
the park ranger lights a match and lights a candle. And that one little candle, all of a sudden you go, okay, maybe we are going to get out of here. <laughs> Has a little bit of hope. A little candle in darkness gives me hope. It's not a big light, but it's a light. And then he turns on his flashlight and he says, follow me out. Now, what do you think I'm going to do? Go this way? <laughs> not if, unless I'm an idiot, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to follow the guy who's got the light. If I'm in the dark, I'm not going to say, I don't need you, Mr. Ranger. I'm going to figure my own way out of this mess. No, I'm going to follow the guy who's got the light. That's the only rational, reasonable, logical thing to do. Last verse, John 8, 12. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't be stumbling through the darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Father, we, we look at the world and we are disappointed so much of the time. We're disappointed in the events of life. We're disappointed that things don't go the way we want them to. We're disappointed with other people, and yeah, we're disappointed with ourselves. Help us to realize that this is not your plan, this is not your goal, but that you want to restore that which was broken. Now you pray, in your heart, say, dear God, I admit that I have rebelled against you. I've done things that I wanted to do instead of what you wanted me to do. I've gone my way. I've gone days without even talking to you. And I've been disconnected from you, so I'm disconnected from other people. I have sinned and transgressed, and I've hurt other people. And nothing works perfectly in my life. I ask you to work on these areas in my life. I, I, Jesus Christ, I affirm you once again as my Savior. Just say that. Jesus, I affirm you once again as my Savior. If you've never asked him to be your Savior, say, Jesus Christ, I ask you to become my Savior today and restore physical health in my body, emotional health in my, in my, in my feelings, relational health where there's distance and conflict, I want you to work on financial help in my life. And I want to have a healthy career and job. Most of all, I want to be spiritually healthy. I want to be connected to you. I don't want to walk in darkness anymore. Jesus, you got the flashlight. You are the flashlight. So I accept you as my savior and I want to follow your light as best I know how. Use this series to help me get some healing in the areas that are broken in my life. I pray this in your name, amen. Hi everybody, this is Rick, and I hope you enjoyed today's broadcast. You know, if you just prayed that prayer for the very first time, 
or you just recommitted your life to Jesus again today, would you let me know about it? There's something real about sharing your commitment. So write me, Rick, at PastorRick.com and say, Rick, I prayed that prayer of commitment. I gave my life to Christ, and I'll send you some material that'll help you on your journey with Jesus, and I'll also pray for you. God bless you. You're listening to Pastor Rick's Daily Hope. We're so happy you've chosen to study along with us today. Why is everything in life so hard? Why does the right thing often feel like a battle? It's because every day there's a spiritual war raging all around you. Here's Pastor Rick to tell you more. You know, we all face temptations every day. It's a spiritual battle that takes place inside us, and it makes us vulnerable, particularly if we don't know how to fight it. To overcome temptation is absolutely essential that you know the tactics that Satan uses to trip us up. And it's vital to learn the biblical defenses that God gives us. He has told us in his word how to handle and how to manage the attacks of Satan. Now, in order to help you learn how to respond to the predictable patterns that Satan uses to tempt you, I've created a study kit called The Invisible War, Winning the Battle of Temptation. This kit, The Invisible War, Winning the Battle of Temptation, includes a DVD with seven different sessions and a simple booklet that'll help you learn how to overcome and defeat temptation in your life. You really need this. In the series, I will teach you the three kinds of temptation, God's antidote to temptation, and even how to avoid temptation in the first place. It is a study guide that you can use by yourself, but you'll actually get more out of it if you'll gather a small group of friends together and study it together as a small group. I want to send you the Invisible War, Winning the Battle for Temptation study kit as my gift to say thanks for your support of Daily Hope with your financial gift. You know, we can't do this without you. And your generosity helps us take the hope of Christ into places all around the world and now to places that have no Bible, no believer, and no body of Christ. Go to PastorRick.com right now to get your copy. That's PastorRick.com. Or you can just text the word HOPE to 800-600-5004. That's the word HOPE to 800-600-5004. There's only three days left to get this great resource, so don't wait. Be sure to join us next time as we look into God's Word for our daily hope. This program is sponsored by Pastor Rick's Daily Hope and your generous financial support.